G'day, I'm Matt, and welcome to church this morning. You know, even though I can't see you, it's great to know that my brothers and sisters in Christ are gathering, even online, to worship God and to sit under His Word together. You know, in our passage this morning from 1 Peter, it says this. It says that all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You know, as I sit at home in this COVID-19 isolation, uh, sometimes it feels like it is enduring forever. But actually, COVID-19 isn't that powerful. Sooner or later, hopefully sooner, it's going to come to an end. But the word of the Lord, now that's powerful. It's the word of the Lord that will endure forever. Uh, we're going to move on and sing our first song in just a moment, but before we do, I just wanted to share an idea with the kids. Kids, as you're listening to the service today, perhaps you can grab uh, some textures and a piece of paper and draw a picture of that verse that I just read out from 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, and draw a picture about how the grass and the flowers wither away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Or if you don't have textures and paper, maybe you can use Lego or Play-Doh, I don't know. Be creative. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope and no place to begin.
I'm Bethany Lavers and I'll be leading us in prayer today. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Our Father, we come to you in praise today, in awe of your power and strength. You formed the world and not even a hair falls from our head without your knowledge. We thank and praise you that you are sovereign. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are yours. Amen. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the many ways in which we have done wrong. Father, we've gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbours as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbours and to live for your honour and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, thank you that you are caring for us and carrying us through this time of isolation. Thank you that you are helping us as a church family to connect with each other and support one another. Thank you that there are very few active COVID-19 cases in the Illawarra and that restrictions are beginning to be lifted. Thank you for the blessings we've been able to experience during this time and for how it has taught us to be thankful for the freedoms we normally enjoy. Amen. Father, we pray for our church family. This week we particularly bring before you Phil and Nadine Smidlers, Anne and Graham Smith, Pete and Sarah Stacy, and Jess Stacy. We also pray for families with young children, that parents would raise their children to love Jesus. Lord, we pray that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Lord, we give you so much thanks and praise for our kids and youth ministries at church, for Cross Life Kids and Cross Life Youth. Thank you so much for the staff and volunteers who teach the Bible to our kids and youth each week and for how this helps our young people to know Jesus and grow more like him. Please care for our leaders and give them energy and inspiration for this work. Amen. Our Lord, in the times in which we live, when life is uncertain and fear abounds, we thank you that we have the hope of eternal life. For we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. We thank you that your word never fails and your promises never fail and that even if everything in this world is lost, our hope in the life everlasting is sure. Father, this week help us to fix our eyes on you and keep this hope firmly in our minds. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, Amen. We'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Isn't it great to have mums and motherly women in our lives? 
you know, no matter how old we get, we can always do with a dose of motherly love and wisdom. So let's take a couple of minutes now just to say thanks to those special women. Linda Pill here. My mum was my best friend. She was my tennis partner, my inspiration, my encourager and my defender. One thing I loved about her was that she always had a practical solution to every problem and there was nothing my mum couldn't fix. She's been with Jesus for almost 20 years now and I still miss her every day. A great memory I have of mum is whenever we go on holidays, like in this picture, she always takes many, 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 many photos. But they're great because we get to look back on them. Some of my earliest memories of my mum are of cooking with her in the kitchen. She taught me how to follow a recipe and how to tell if something was the right texture or thickness. I remember sitting up on the bench making pancakes or arguing with my brothers over who got to lick the beaters or the bowl. I learnt so many life skills from mum and I love watching her teach these same things to my daughters. Without even realising it, I've done the same. When my kids come asking me what's for dinner, I always answer as mum did, rat no stew. I really love watching mum look after my children. Uh, it's a really beautiful thing to see and I love the bond that they've formed. Um, but I also love the glimpse into the past that it is uh, for me as I watch them. Thank you, mums. Hello, my name is Helen Renitz and I'm reading the Bible this morning. Our passage comes from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 through to chapter 2 verse 3. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, 
through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures for ever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, good day, friends. I really want to start uh, by saying big thank you to all those who've contributed to the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's been a massive team effort. I just really want to say thank you. And thanks too to John for kicking off this series. Uh, and firstly, we heard some really helpful background and some of the, the, the big themes of the letter. Uh, and then last week was all about the wonderful hope, the living hope that we have because of God's mercy to us in Christ. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, and it's kept for us in heaven. And that's wonderful. But, but what about now? What about today? Well, this passage, uh, please have it open in front of you because there's so much in it. This passage tells us how to live and what to do until we get there. Uh, as usual, uh, there's an activity sheet for the children uh, and you can find the, the link to that uh, on this post. And I know that many grown-ups take notes too because uh, it helps us listen and remember. So I've got three main headings, the privilege, outworking, we'll spend most time there, and progress. Pop! Privilege, outworking, progress. It's easy to remember. Uh, let's ask God to help us as we begin. Loving Father in heaven, please continue your wonderful work in our hearts and minds as we seek to understand your word now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the opening words make clear, this whole section of the letter is concerning this salvation. So let's begin with the privilege of our salvation and this would have been so encouraging to the original readers of the letter because they faced opposition in all kinds of ways let me just mention three they were gentiles not jews so they're often opposed by the jewish religious leaders uh, and told you know you've got to obey all the laws of the old testament secondly christianity was very new uh, in the roman empire uh, and it was a culture that didn't value new valued old and established beliefs. New is not normal. So they were often marginalised or worse, used as a political target for corrupt leaders, or a real scapegoat. Um, and then thirdly, uh, what Christians believed clashed with the culture around them. And I think that's increasingly where we find ourselves. Our culture is, is heading more that way. Uh, remember, they were way up in Asia Minor, so nowhere near Israel. Now, Christians, along with the Jews, they believe in one God. But Greek culture was full of different philosophies and beliefs, and, and they had lots of gods. And this brought them into conflict with the authorities. Well, I don't know about you, I'm not feeling too encouraged yet. Where's the privilege? In following Jesus. Look at what Peter now says, speaking into their situation in verses 10 to 12. He says to them, Concerning this salvation, the prophets 
spoke of the grace that was to come to you. The prophets, thousands of years of prophets pointing forward to this moment, to Jesus. Christianity has a very long history, going back to the prophets of the Old Testament. In this letter, Peter often quotes them uh, or alludes to the Old Testament because Jesus fulfills it. So, for example, verse 19, Jesus is uh, referred to as a lamb without blemish or defect. Such a familiar Old Testament picture. Jesus always was God's plan A in saving his people. Now, these prophets, look back at verse 10, they searched intently and with the greatest care to try and understand what God was telling them. A little while ago, I broke a piece of glass on our back lawn uh, and I've got to say, I searched intently and with the greatest care because we hardly ever wear shoes out the back. I ended up getting the vacuum cleaner out, you know, doing the lawn and girls thought it was pretty funny. Um, but I think I found it all. But the prophets didn't. Verse 11 says, they were trying to find out the time and circumstances. It's talking about the suffering and glory of Jesus. But they couldn't grasp it. In fact, what was revealed to them is there in verse 12. They were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you, writes Peter. See, they, the prophets didn't get to see or, or hear or understand the fullness of the gospel, but we have. What an incredible privilege. God's plan didn't peak with the prophets in the Old Testament. It didn't peak with the Jews in national Israel. It climaxes with Jesus Christ and all who trust in him anywhere in the world. What an incredible privilege. You know, we're nowhere near Israel, but we're at the center of God's plan for us. And in a pagan culture uh, where uh, spirituality was valued and, and often worshipped angelic beings, see what he says in verse 12, the gospel that was preached to you came how? by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. We've got a message direct from God. And then he adds, even angels long to look into these things. The prophets wanted to understand it, and angels marvel at it, and we've got it. What an incredible privilege. You know, we don't deserve it, though, do we? And we certainly haven't earned it. It's only ours because of, see back in verse 10, grace. God's extraordinary kindness. What a privilege. Now, friends, if you want to uh, understand the gospel, be reminded of it, uh, the good news of our salvation, go back and listen to last week's message. It was about the wonderful hope that Jesus brings to our lives. It changes our eternal future and it transforms our present as well. That's why verse 13 begins with the word, therefore. He's about to tell us how our eternal salvation changes our daily living here and now. Verse 13, uh, right through to 22, is all about the outworking of our salvation. So let's have a look at it. It starts with a very funny phrase. Uh, the NIV says, with minds that are alert. But the original Greek says, gird up your loins. Kind of like, you know, pull up your pants. Well, in those days, they'd, they'd pull up their cloak and tuck it into their belt. Uh, gird up your loins and then 
of your mind? It's a funny combination. In the Old Testament times, they tucked their cloak into their belt so that they could run, you know, being prepared, like Elijah on his way home or Jeremiah when God called him. Um, I mean, get ready for action. Here, Peter is saying that our readiness begins with a clear and sober mind. And what are we getting ready for? Well, verse 13 continues, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As God's people, our goal is being ready to meet Jesus. Everything in life is shaped by that. A friend of mine is chaplain to the Australian Olympic team. Oh, they've had a hard year. We should pray for them. Uh, their hope was set on Tokyo. And that hope impacted every part of their lives. Their diet, their training, their sleeping habits, their training, what they spend their money on, their training, their social life. Did I say their training? Uh, their relationships and so on. How much more then should our daily lives be shaped by our hope of heaven? And it'll never be threatened by a virus or anything else. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, he's so heavenly minded that he's of no earthly use? Friends, don't believe it. Now, maybe there's some people that are so focused on the trappings of, of religion, but, you know, if our lives are shaped by a focus on Jesus and where we'll be with him for eternity, will be of maximum earthly use and benefit to those around us for all the right reasons. Our lives will be radically different. Verse 14 puts it this way, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Our lives were going this way. Then Jesus saved us, and now our lives are going this way. He says a similar thing in verse 17. Live out your time, that, that means your, your whole life, as foreigners here. In other words, if we seek to be holy, we'll look so different to the society in which we live because our values will be radically different. And some people will be drawn to that difference and, and they'll probably want to ask about the hope that we have. While others will view it like a ship full of coronavirus. Go away. We're not interested. We don't want it. So let me ask you, when you hear the words, be holy, what happens in your heart? Do you find yourself sort of attracted to the idea? Or do you want to sort of distance yourself a bit because it just sounds well too separate from reality too too different to normality it sounds a bit high and lofty and, and too spiritual or something like that too too unrealistic perhaps even too pure oh, i've got to be honest and say i've struggled with that kind of response i've struggled with a sense of of the bar being set so unattainably high and then I find myself excusing little things because I, I know I'll never be perfect. I'll never be truly holy and sinless. Does anyone relate to that? 
I've been deeply challenged by something in this passage uh, just this week, and I want you to see it too. See verse 16. Be holy. Why? What's the motivation? Because I am holy, says God. God is holy. That's who he is. That's how he is. And I realise that to, to distance myself from the idea of being holy is to distance myself from the one who is holy. And I don't want to do that. I'd miss the fact that holiness is entirely bound up in our relationship with God. And then I saw it all over the place. Verse 14 says, as obedient children. We're not just obeying a set of rules. We're being like our heavenly dad. Verse 17, since you call on a father, it's all about relationship. Verse 21, your faith and hope are in being holy. No, it doesn't say that. Your faith and hope are in God himself. So what does holy actually mean? Um, firstly, uh, it refers to God's perfect moral purity and his hatred of sin. Uh, holiness and sin are complete opposites. Sin is a ghastly smear on God's good creation and he will destroy it and he will punish sinners. So when God says, be holy, what he's saying is, be pure and get rid of sin. Secondly, in some passages, holy means uh, completely devoted uh, or, or used for God's purposes. So, for example, in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day is said to be holy to the Lord. Uh, the blood of sacrificed animals uh, was uh, said to be holy to the Lord, completely given to that purpose. The altar and its utensils were said to be holy because they were not used for any other purpose. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, devote yourselves wholeheartedly to living for me. Thirdly, and this is really interesting, uh, the closer you get to God, the more holy everything is. You see this really clear in the, clearly in the back half of the book of Exodus, where God gives instructions for the building of the tabernacle. It's like layer upon layer upon layer of ever-increasing value and purity and holiness. And right in the very centre is the holy of holies, where God is. You know, even dirt can be made holy by God's presence. Remember when Moses saw the burning bush? What did God say? Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So if we want to get closer to God, we have to be holy. In fact, Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, keep growing closer to me. Fourth, genuine holiness pervades every aspect of our lives. Notice how it radically impacts our relationships with other believers. Look at verse 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So when God says, be holy, he's saying, let it shape all of your life. 
especially your relationships. But there's still a bit more. Fifth point. And there's a problem. And it's a really big problem. We can't do it. We simply can't be holy in our own strength by ourselves. And it's illustrated quite powerfully, I think, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this experience where he, he sees the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He saw the holiness of God. And there were these angelic creatures called seraphim calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then Isaiah cried out, Woe to me! I'm ruined! Why? For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was terrified because God is holy and destroys sin. He, he wanted to be near God, but he also knew that he was as good as dead unless God had mercy and somehow saved him. Now, if you know the story of Isaiah, you'll remember that God did save him. He goes on to say this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. By God's grace, Isaiah was made holy in God's sight, able to live and serve in God's plans. Like Isaiah, we too should fear God. And like Isaiah, we too can be saved and made holy in his sight. Verse 17 puts it this way. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your lives as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Praise be to God for our salvation in Jesus. You see, reverent fear is not the kind of fear that, that makes us want to run away from God. It's the kind of fear that recognises the, the power and the beauty and the greatness and the perfection of his character and recognises that the safest place is actually with him, not apart from him. See, God knows that we're stained with sin. He knows our every thought and word and, and deed. We deserve his judgment. We deserve his condemnation. We can't be holy on our own effort. But our sins were laid on Jesus so that we could be forgiven. Our guilt removed. Our sins washed away. Our lives made clean and holy in God's sight so that we can live and serve him and have a relationship with him that, that begins now and continues forever. So lastly... And briefly, let's look at the progress of our salvation. In verse 23, Peter uses the phrase born again to impress on his readers that salvation is a whole new beginning in life. We have a new relationship uh, with God and it's the word of God that brings it to us. See verse 23? For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable 
through the living and enduring Word of God. See, without the wonderful hope God's Word provides, we're just like grass or flowers. You know, the grass withers and the, the flowers drop off. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Our salvation begins and continues as God's Word takes root in our heart. And sin will always oppose it. See how chapter 2 starts. Look at that list. Chapter 2, verse 1. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. It's interesting that they're all very relational sins, aren't they? I mean, how can we identify them in ourselves? How can we guard against them in our church? Verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, that's us. We've been given new birth in Christ. Crave pure spiritual milk. It's talking about God's word again. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Friends, salvation is a wonderful privilege. Holiness in our lives is the outworking of that salvation in daily life. That's only possible because of Jesus. And the way we make progress in our salvation is by absorbing God's word and letting him shape every aspect of our lives. I think Psalm 86 verse 11 is a very fitting conclusion. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Well, friends, let's pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the immense privilege of knowing you and being called your children. Please help us to delight in being holy because you are holy and strengthen us to continually make progress in living as your children, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ and shaped daily by your word. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our church service this morning. I hope that as you've heard from the Word of God, that like our passage says, that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Before you log off, it'd be great if you could leave a comment just to let us know you're here uh, and tell us how you are. Or if you're a kid that's been drawing a picture or making a sculpture, why don't you take a photo of that and get mum and dad to, to upload it so that we can all enjoy your creation. As we head out into the week, uh, Let's think about how we can connect with one another. Perhaps pick up the phone and give someone a call. Or now that isolation, isolation measures have, have decreased a little bit, maybe we can invite someone around for a cuppa. It'd be great to gather, even online, again next week. We're going to finish our time now uh, by singing a song that reminds us of the amazing grace that we've been shown in Christ.